This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Let's open our Bibles to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Mark 1, 21 to 24. Mark 1, 21 to 24. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Verse 25, And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. You see, Jesus didn't engage in conversation with demons. You know, he hushed the thing. Shut up! Get out! Amen. Verse 26. And the Spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice. It came out of him. Verse 27. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commanded he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. Now, when Jesus came on the earth, in his every encounter with the devil, he whipped Satan. He wielded authority over the devil. He whipped him every single time. You notice again and again, those spirits will say, Are thou come to torment us before the time? We know thee who thou art. Yes, there is a time. There is the time of Adam's lease. And until Adam's lease runs out, the devil has a right to be here. Are you listening to me? See, that dominion that God gave to Adam, it had a time span. Now, it's believed by many Bible scholars that time span actually is about 6,000 years. You know, but we don't know the exact details of the timing and all of certain things. Well, it's just believed. That's just believed. There's some scriptures they used to say that, but that's, that's a little gray. One thing, however, we know is that it has a time span. And until that lease runs out, the devil has a right to be here. Do you understand? But you notice that Jesus, he exercised authority over the devil. You don't read of anybody doing that in the Old Testament. You don't. Ever since Satan entered into the dominion that was rightfully man's, Satan began to wield his tyrannical reign on humanity. He unleashed terror on mankind. And then Jesus suddenly shows up, and Jesus now begins to put him in his place. Go to Luke, Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. Remember in chapter 3, we read about how Jesus had his baptism in water. The Holy Ghost descended upon him in the bodily shape as a dove. Amen. And the Father spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Now in chapter 4, from verse 1, the Bible says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being fought of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Now, do you mind me going on a side journey? 
Let me go on a sad journey. Whether you mind or not, I'll go on a sad journey. <laughs> you know, sometimes people will say, I know this is January. You know, let's fast so that God will bless us this year. Let's fast. Now, there's nothing wrong with fasting to seek God. But please, if you're fasting, fast for the right reasons. Don't fast for power. Acts 1.8 says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Don't fast because you want the blessings of God. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, in our culture, we have this settlement mentality. People are using, used to settlements. You know, front kick, back take, yeah. waiting for the boys. You know, people are so used to that, that sometimes we want to carry it over into our relationship with God. God, this year has come, oh. you have to bless me, oh. I'm fasting, oh. you have to do something for me, oh. I'm fasting, oh. I'm trying to settle you for the year, oh. you have to do this for me, oh. you have to do that for me. Let me tell you something, how to get God to do stuff for you is to believe his word. In the New Testament, you know it's interesting, that in the letters written to the church, there's not one time when the church was instructed to fast, not once. Now, am I saying we shouldn't fast? I didn't say so. Paul, in the letters he wrote, to the Corinthian church, talked about the fact that he fasted in fastings often. Fasting should be as led by the Spirit. See, God is the same before you fast, when you are fasting, and when you get through fasting. Fasting doesn't change God, it changes you. Fasting helps keep the body under. 1 Corinthians 9.27, but I keep under my body. I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. And if you are fasting, fast for the right reasons. Fast to seek God. Okay, you claim you're fasting, you're not praying, you're not seeking God, you're not studying his word. You're not fasting, you're starving. All it will do is help, might help you lose some weight. It might, it might not. It might even help you gain some. Amen. So you see, have a scriptural purpose in mind when you fast. Fasting should be as led by the Holy Ghost. Brother Hagin said, the Lord said to him one time, he said, I'd rather have you lead a fasted life than have days and periods of fasting. He said, what's that? He said, don't ever eat all you want to. Keep your body under all the time. And then you see in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13, they were in the church from verse 1. There was an Antioch, certain prophets and teachers, gives the names of five men, starts with Barnabas, ends with Saul, as a minister to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Sometimes I fast just to minister to the Lord, just to worship him, just to praise him, just to spend time with him. Amen. And then in verse 4, after they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them. Sometimes I'm going to minister to people, I just stay off food some. It helps us sensitive to the Holy Ghost. That's all. And then when Paul's physical life was in danger, in Acts 27, the Bible says there was much abstinence from food. Amen. He sought the Lord at that time of danger. And God showed up. Amen. Gave him direction. Told him what to do. And he did it. And their lives were saved. So when you fast, have a scriptural purpose in mind. You know you can fast yourself to heaven. Very fast. Very fast. You can fast yourself into heaven. Some people's bodies are suited for long fasts. Some people's bodies are not. You can fast and die. You can fast and damage your body irreparably. Do you understand? Someone said everybody that had power with God fasted 40 days. Nobody did fast 40 days. I'll tell you why I said so. What about Moses? He fasted 40 days. He was in the glory. If you're in the glory 40 days. In fact, you can be in the glory 100 days. You won't remember food. 
was caught up in God's presence. The 40 days might have seemed like 40 minutes. What about Elijah? Elijah fasted 40 days. He ate angels' food. And the angel told him, you go in this might. Remember one angel at the issue of Sennacherib slew 185,000 men in one night. You now eat the food of what a fellow like that eats. And you say you fasted 40 days. If I eat it, I will fast 100 days. Well, you say, what about Jesus? He fasted 40 days. Notice something. Look at this. Being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, after the 40 days were ended, he afterward hungered. So he wasn't hungry during the 40 days. He was caught up in the presence of God. He was spending time with God. Amen. So don't make a rule out of something that is not there. Be led. The longest I've ever fasted in my life is three days. One, two, three. On do tra. Eni ejieta. Gaya biuhuku. O two. Abuo. Ato. Three. By the third one, I was done. Amen. I got my answer. I quit. Praise God. Now I've gone for weeks, months, taking only one meal a day. But the longest I've gone at a stretch without food, just taking fluids. It's three days. Third day, I got my answer. I quit. Praise God. Be sensible. Exercise some common sense with this fasting matter. Don't kill yourself. <laughs> and don't fast unscripturally. If you're going to fast as led by the Spirit, great. Now, supposing your church has declared a fast, great. We are to walk in love. Amen. We are to walk in love. I was in a church one time. Wasn't in this city, so don't guess. Um, they had days and periods of fasting regularly. Did I believe in having days and periods of fasting personally? No. But I told myself it won't hurt me if I join them. So I did. Imagine if a church member sees me coming out of Mr. Biggs on one of the fast days. He now wonders, oh, why is he doing that? And then, with my knowledge, I put another brother in trouble. Love will demand that I don't do that. Amen. We can disagree without being disagreeable. We don't have to see everything eye to eye, but we can walk in love. Amen. Just said to chip that in. Praise God. Notice it says, being, being 40 days tempted of the devil. Now, verse 3. And the devil said unto him, I'll say another thing. After Jesus fasted 40 days and nights, guess the first voice he heard? The devil. Be careful when you go on those long fasts. You just might hear the devil. Yeah, scripture. Jesus heard the devil. The devil spoke. So don't come and say, I fasted 10 days. And after fasting 10 days, I heard this voice. So it must be God. Jesus, 40 days, he heard a voice. It was the devil. Amen. The fact that you fasted 100 days and heard a voice doesn't mean it was God. When you fast, you become sensitive to the spirit realm. And there's God there. There's Satan there. Amen. The devil spoke to Jesus after 40 days of being without food. He might speak to you too. Amen. Verse 3. And the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Verse 4. And Jesus answered him. Note, answered him. Answered him. Answered him. He spoke back. Saying. Not thinking. Not believing. Saying. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Verse 5. And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to, to whomsoever I will, I give it. 
Now, you know why the devil said this? You know, some people have said that the devil was just lying here. No, he wasn't lying here. It was the truth. Who gave it to him? Adam gave it to him. He delivered that authority to him and he could give it to whoever he willed. You know, Jesus did not contest this claim that the devil made. He didn't argue with him. He didn't contest it because it was the truth. Besides, the Bible calls it a temptation. Anybody here who has ever been tempted to put his hand inside fire? I've never been. I don't know anybody who has ever been. You know why? There's no pleasure with your hand inside fire. The temptation, there is a bait. And then there's something wrong you are to do. If there's no bait, there's no temptation. A temptation means you are being lured to do something wrong because of a bait. Because of some pleasure. Because of some benefit you could get. If there wasn't any benefit Jesus could have gotten from obeying that instruction, it wasn't a temptation. But the Bible calls it a temptation. Yes, the devil did have that authority. Yes, he could have delivered it to whosoever he willed. How did he get it? Adam gave him. Amen. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. You see, that's crazy. I'll give you the authority, but worship me first. If you give me the authority and I worship you, then that means I'm subservient to you. Then that means you're back with it. <laughs> that's foolish. You know? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Verse 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, The devil knows the Bible better than some Christians. Yes. The devil can quote scripture, but he will quote it out of context. Ah, they showed me in the Bible about generational costs. They showed me in the Bible about firstborn. That they need to read. They showed me in the Bible. I'm not saying they didn't show you. But I'm just saying that was it rightly divided scripture? Was it in the light of the finished work of redemption? Was it? The devil can show you scripture. Anybody can show you scripture. Oh, I'll give you some scripture. The Bible says Judas went and hung himself. The Bible says you go and do likewise. The Bible also says, whatever thou doest, do it, do it quickly. <laughs> Is God saying we should kill ourselves? It's not. But that scripture taken out of its context and compounded together to say what it is not saying. So you see, we have to rightly divide the scriptures. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest, thou, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, answering, said unto him, it is said... Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Verse 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptations, he parted from him for a season. Notice, how did Jesus whip the devil in all these encounters? It is written. It is written. How are you going to whip the devil when he comes to tempt you? Tempt you to sin. Tempt you to be sick. Tempt you to be broke. Tempt you to fail. Tempt you to fear. Tell him it is written. Tell him it is written. You need to know what is written. And then you say it from your heart. The spoken word of God. The sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. You tell him what is written. You speak God's word to him. Devil, no, not going to do that. God's word says this. He comes again. He says, no, I'm not going to accept that. God's word says this. He comes again. He says, look, 
I'm putting this on. He said, no, himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. He comes again with offense. He says, no, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I'm a love bee. He comes again with, I don't know. He said, no, my God supplies all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He comes again with, I don't know. I tell him, no. The word of God says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So you see, we withstand the devil with the word. That's what Jesus used in his earth walk. Everywhere he met the devil, he whipped him. Every confrontation he had with Satan, he whipped him. Until the time finally came when he went to the cross. Why did he have to go to the cross? Was there any contest between God and Satan? Never. One is the creator. The other is one of his creatures. One of his countless creatures. God can blow the devil out of existence. He can just do, and the dude can dematerialize. Amen. So it wasn't a contest between God and Satan. Hey, who's stronger? Who's stronger? No. Jesus met the devil in our stead. He did it for us as the head of the new creation. He did it for us. Amen. As our substitute. We are identified with him in the work that he did. That's why Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Actually, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when he was crucified, I was crucified with him. When he died, I died with him. When he was buried, I was buried with him. When he suffered three days and nights in hell, I suffered there with him. When he was made alive, we were made alive with him. When he was declared righteous, we were declared righteous with him. When he was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead with him. When he was seated at the right hand of the Father, where he now is today, we were seated with him. And that's where we are. That's where we are. That's where we are. We are seated with him. We are seated with him. We have authority over the devil. We have authority over his wiles. We have authority over his own slots. We have authority over his attacks. How? Through the use of the name of Jesus. By standing our ground on the word of God. By telling the devil it is written. And telling him exactly what is written. We put him on the run. One preacher said one time, you know, some people crack stupid jokes. You know what they said? They said, guys, 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 guess what? They said what? They said, I got the devil on the run. Oh, they said, that's great. They said, no, the problem is this. I'm the one who's running. He's the one who's after me. <laughs> now you feel like flogging him. Shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't be that way. We've got authority over him. One time, Smith Wigglesworth was um, about to take a bus somewhere, and then there was this lady came with her dog, and then, or rather, not that she came with the dog, dog followed her. When she got there and the bus, she had been trying to tell the dog, go back, go back, honey, you need to go back, sweetie, you need to go back. The dog wasn't paying attention. When the bus showed up, the woman turned, said, get! The dog scampered. Without thinking, Wiggles were turned around and said, that's the way you got to do the devil. <laughs> Amen. He hearkens to the voice of authority. See, authority is not necessarily shouting. No, it's not about shouting. There's a difference between inspiration and perspiration. It's not shouting. It's authority. It's knowing your rights. It's knowing who you are. When you know who you are, you know, you don't have to shout. You don't have to shout. You don't have to shout. 
Everything being equal. When a commander-in-chief says so and so, he turns and walks away. It has to be carried out. Isn't it? Everything being equal. Amen. Where the word of a king is, there's power. Listen to me. You're a king. You're a king. Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Another translation says, reign as kings in the realm of life. We are kings. Where our word is, there's power. We exercise authority by speaking the word. Colossians 2.15, the Bible says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now, that word spoil, it's a little blind to us. We don't use that word in modern-day English. But I'll explain it like this. Let's say one kingdom goes to fight another kingdom, and then they defeat the other kingdom. What are they going to do? They're going to make spoils of war out of the folks that they defeated. They'll strip them naked, Take all their armor and then they will parade them and take all, loot them. Take their treasury, take their property, take their children, take their wives, take everything they've got. And then they'll parade them with everybody. We've defeated him. Before everybody. Amen. Take spoils of war out of them. See, that's what Jesus did to Satan. He spoiled him. He spoiled him. He spoiled him. And that translation says, having disarmed principalities and powers. Imagine someone wants to attack you and you've taken the person's gun. You've removed all the bullets. And then he wants to shoot. Tell him, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. He shoots. He's blank. Shoots again. He's blank. Shoots again. He's blank. Throws the gun aside. And that translation says, paralyzed. Imagine a fellow, hands are paralyzed, feet are paralyzed, he's lying on the floor, and then he says, I'm going to slap you. And then you start shaking like a leaf. He says, he's going to slap me. He says, he's going to slap me. He says, he's going to slap me. When he says, he's going to slap you, tell him, go right ahead if you can. You can't slap me. You can't slap me. You can't slap me. Make fun of him. See, Psalm 2 verse 4 says, he that seated in the heavens shall laugh. That was talking about God deriding the devil. Laughing at him. Amen. Just laughing at him. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. Because you know who you are. We are seated in the heavenly places. And that's why we can laugh in the devil's face. We can laugh at his wildest onslaughts. Why? Because we have the victory. Jesus spoiled and powers. He made a show of them openly, 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 triumphing over them in it. He made a public spectacle of the devil. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. He always causes us to triumph. Romans 8.37 Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are past conquering. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. We've got the victory. We're not trying to get it. We're not hoping for it. We have it already. We've got victory. 
over the flesh, over the world, over the devil. We've got the life of God in us. Amen. So we walk in victory over him. More than conquerors. 1 Corinthians 2, 6. The Bible says, how be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect, them that are mature. Not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. Moffat's translation calls it the dethroned powers that rule this world. What does it mean for someone to be dethroned? It means the person is deposed, has been removed from the throne. The devil is no longer on the throne. Not in my life, not in your life. If you've been born again, he's not on that throne anymore. You are on the throne now. You are the king now. You are the one with the authority now. He's been dethroned. He's been dethroned. You know, sometimes people, they give this impression, oh, the devil is getting stronger. Oh, the hosts of darkness are getting stronger. That's a big fat lie. He's not. Weymouth says they are declining to their end. Declining to their end. The devil is declining to his end. He's not getting stronger in my life. He's getting weak around me. Because I'm exercising my authority. In my field of, in my sphere of influence. That come to naught. Jesus brought him to naught. Jesus reduced him to nothing. Jesus neutralized him. Jesus liquidated him. 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He destroyed his works. The, the Greek word there is luo, to loosen, to liquidate, to render ineffective. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He destroyed him. Now don't let that word destroy throw you. You know when you talk about destroy, we see destroyers to annihilate, to kill. But that word destroy does it mean that he, he, he blotted out the devil, made him non-existent? No. The word destroy means to paralyze. He paralyzed him. He paralyzed him. The devil used to have the power of death, but he doesn't have it anymore. That death there is talking about spiritual death. The devil used to wield authority. Wield spiritual death. Exact it. Sin, sickness, disease, poverty, failure, and just dominate people with it. But no, he doesn't have that authority anymore. Why? Jesus has destroyed him. Jesus has paralyzed him. See, this year is going to be a different year. It's going to be different. This moment onwards in your life, it's going to be different. Because the devil has been liquidated. The devil has been defeated. 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 What's that circumstance that is standing in your way? What's that situation? What's that long-standing issue? Listen to me. The devil is the one back of it. And the devil who is back of it is the same one that Jesus defeated. The person behind that trouble is the one Jesus brought to nothing. 
Revelations 1.18. He said, I'm he that was dead. Now I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and of hell. He's the authorized one. He's the authorized one. He's the authorized one. Satan is not the authorized one. Jesus is the authorized one. And we have his authority. 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 Glory to God. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 08100163948 or 08076576163.